Central, good to see everybody. And we also want to welcome all of our live streamers from Oregon, Montana, California, Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Virginia, Tennessee. Let's give it up for all of them. Great to have you. Great to have you. Uh, again, my name's Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. My wife is at Lake Norman campus because we're doing child dedications at all of our campuses because y'all are making some babies around here. I have never seen so many pregnancies in my entire life. I mean, y'all are taking the Bible literally. Be fruitful and multiply. Y'all are multiplying. We're growing this church, baby, growing it. One baby at a time. So very excited. Give it up for your campus pastors, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Stephanie. You guys stand up. Make sure you meet them in the, uh, in the lobby. Great. Several years ago, I was uh, fishing with this guy down in Florida, wealthy businessman who attended a friend of mine's church that I was preaching at, and he took me fishing because I'm obsessed with fishing right now. And he turned to me on the boat, and uh, this guy was a unique guy. He was very unique. He had, uh, did some type of IT business, and he was, he, the reason I remember him so well is because when we played golf, he played golf barefooted. <laughs> and so it was just really crazy. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. So anyway, random has nothing to do with my message, but <laughs> random. So anyway, we were sitting on the boat, and he turned to me, and he said, hey, Troy, um, have you ever thought about if somebody gave you $25 million, what would you do with it? And you know, the first thought I was thinking is, are you gonna give me $25 million for the church? And then my second thought was, no, I haven't thought about it. And then the Lord corrected me and said, how would you expect me to ever give you $25 million if you haven't thought about what you would do with it? And this began a journey for us, and this was, this was probably 15 years ago, 16 years ago. And I started to think about, okay, well, if, I, uh, if I'm gonna reach this city, if I'm gonna reach this nation, I better have big vision. And so what you saw today was kind of the tip of the iceberg of what I believe God wants to do through us as a church. And I'll say this out loud, I say it all the time, there are, are a lot cheaper churches to go to in Charlotte. Uh, that they'll have any vision and are satisfied. We are not satisfied. We believe we wanna make the kingdom of heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better, and it comes through us as kingdom builders. And so we will challenge you. Um, we can't do this you know, $150, $83 million vision that we have. We can't do it one person. at a, If you wanna write that check, great, we got more, but we're gonna do it all together. And uh, I think we have family members, people in our work that need Jesus, and we're gonna keep doing it one campus at a time, one life at a time, one service at a time. And uh, so just pray about being the king. If you're new here at Freedom House, um, just keep kicking the tires. Uh, this isn't for you. This is for the people who call Freedom House Church their home. And so just pray and just do what God tells you to do. And uh, he'll always bless our church. And, and, and we, we really want to just be good stewards over what God's given us. I remember on September 8th, of 2002, the first offering that we ever received. It was $372. And at that point, God had spoken to me prior to that. My pastor challenged me that you need to be a good steward as a church. And so we took $37.20 and we put that in an account. And we, as a church, tithed. And we continued to do that throughout the history of our church. Every offering, including the one that we received today, is uh, we'll take 10% of that, that goes into account, and we give all that money away. Matter of fact, we give way more than 10%. Um, you'll see that if you come on, on uh, Thursday to our family meeting, you'll see where all those finances go, 
and uh, because we're kingdom builders as a church. So what we ask you to do individually, we actually do as a church. And so we would never ask you to do something that we don't do as a church. And so uh, we, we've been able to give millions upon millions of dollars all over the nation. Matter of fact, uh, many of you gave to Israel. Our goal was 25,000, it went to 50,000, and we hit 75,000 in giving. So, and so you'll be hearing about where all those finances went and what happened, and so very, very exciting. So that's what I wanna talk about today. I wanna talk about being a kingdom steward, a kingdom steward. Psalms chapter 50 Verse seven, look at this. You can look at the screens, get your Bibles out, iPhones, iPhones, open your eyelids. Uh, It says, oh my people, listen as I speak. This is God talking to us. He says, here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am God, your God. And then verse eight, he says, I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you can constantly offer, but I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. Now this is interesting kind of how God is uh, talking to us about this. He says, I I don't really have anything against your sacrifices or your offerings, but I really don't need them. And here's why he says that. For all the animals of the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. That's what our series is. We're talking about how God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know Every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Now let's pause here for a second. Where is he going with this? What God is letting us know is he doesn't need our stuff. He he, he understands the sacrifice, he understands the offering but he doesn't need it. Here's where he gets to the crux of what he's trying to communicate to us. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. In other words, what God is saying is, look, all those things are good, but ultimately, I want your heart. I want want your surrender which I believe at the core of what stewardship is, is surrender. It's a surrender of who you are. Now, when I say stewardship, most of us immediately go to money. We start thinking about checking account. We start thinking about money. But stewardship is much broader than that. Matter of fact, it's a central theme throughout the Bible, just like the fall, just like creation, just like uh, grace or forgiveness or sin. It's a central theme that God weaves all through the scriptures in, in understanding how we have been given something from God. Stewardship is made up of two words in the Greek. It's the Greek word oikonomos, oiko, which means house, and namos, which means law. A way to look at that in the Greek is exercising administrative capacity or management capacity as a verb, but as a noun, it's a person who exercises that, who who looks at a house and goes, hey, this needs to go there, and, and this delivery needs to be made there, and this couch goes over there, and this is how you're gonna spend that, and this is what needs to be put in the, in the pantry, and this is how you work the servants out, and this is how things are arranged in the house. That's, that's a steward. 
Stewardship is not just tithing, it's, it's not just serving, it's not just coming to church, it's not just being frugal. Let me give you a definition. I believe stewardship is a responsibility that has been entrusted to you. So at the core, stewardship is responsibility. Look at your neighbor, say, I'm responsible, I'm responsible. Look at your other, and everybody did that. Only about maybe half of you did. So look at your neighbor, say, I'm responsible, I'm responsible. So you're responsible right now to do that to your neighbor. I'm responsible. Look at your other neighbor, say, you're responsible, you're responsible. Now, now we have lived in a society that doesn't like responsibility, okay? We, we, we live in the culture of the hookup. You know, let's, I don't want any responsibility. I'm not gonna put a ring on it because that's way too much commitment, you know? I want, I want a job, give me the paycheck, but I don't wanna come to work. You know, I don't, I don't wanna come in. I mean, you, you start negotiating, if you come into applying for a job and you're negotiating vacation in your interview, there's a problem there. Because we don't like responsibility, but God is all about responsibility. And he entrusts us, and we'll see in just a minute, pretty much with everything. I like the way this young lady in her blog uh, described kingdom stewardship. She said, kingdom stewardship is the coronation of God's human stewards to fulfill the Father's mission on earth. I mean, think about that for a second. God who created everything gave it all to us and said, you're responsible for it. It's pretty, what a privilege. What an honor to think that the God of the universe would trust you that would trust you, that would trust me, that would trust you with everything, with this earth that he created, with this universe, with everything that we have at our disposal. I wanna use this story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25. Um, if you have a Bible and it has it at the top, it'll usually give you kind of like a, a outline or a, um, a heading. Uh, many of the Bibles will say parable of the talents. I think you could also say that this is the parable of the stewards or the parable or the story of responsibility. Look at verse 14 with me. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Okay, so what Jesus is doing right here is he's talking to his disciples and they asked him the question, what's gonna happen at the end? Like, can you tell us how we know when the end is coming? Okay, so this, he started this kind of dissertation with them in Matthew 24, and he's kind of finishing up, and he says, there's gonna be this guy, he's telling the story, that's gonna travel to a far country. He's really talking about himself. He's gonna, I'm, I'm gonna leave, and this person, me, that's going to a far country, heaven, I'm, he's gonna call his servants or his stewards and deliver his goods to them. And to one, he gave, how many talents? Everybody say it out loud, five talents, five talents. To another, and to another, to each according to his own ability. And immediately, he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So now he has 10, five plus five is 10. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also, two plus two is four. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money after a long time the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So, okay, Jesus leaves, and then he comes back. This is his second coming. So he who had received five talents came and brought 
five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22, he also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful steward, servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, then who had, he who had received the one talent came and said, this is not good. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Look at your neighbor and say, uh-oh, this isn't good. Never good when God calls you wicked and lazy. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with it. You should have at least taken my talent to Bank of America and got like three and a half percent interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Okay, that, got, that tells us God's not a socialist. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable steward into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's terrible. Now, when it comes to responsibility, or specifically stewardship, here's what we typically do. We typically look at people and we compare our stewardship to them. So, so so-and-so has more than me, so obviously God likes them better than me. That's what we do. But I want you to notice something that's really interesting here. When you understand this story and you realize that it really has little to do with how much has been given, it changes the way that you look at what's been given to you. Now, the one who had five turned it into what? 10. The one that had two turned it into, did they receive a different reward? No. He said the one who took five and turned it into 10, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, you, you, you were faithful over a few things, I'm gonna make you ruler over much. What did he say to the one who took two and turned it into four? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were a good steward, you were faithful over a few things, I'm gonna make you ruler over much. So that tells me that the reward is not determined by how much you've been given. So it really doesn't matter if so-and-so has a bigger house or more money or because my reward isn't determined or the scope of my reward isn't determined by how much it's been given me. So whether I've been given one, two, or five, my reward is dependent upon me being responsible with the one, the two, or the five. Let me say it another way. What is entrusted to us does not determine the size or the scope of our reward. How we steward what was given to us determines the reward. So stop comparing yourself to other people. 
quit looking at other people and going, God, I guess you don't like me. You haven't given me that much. No, the reason why he hasn't given you that much is because you haven't been a good steward over what he's been given to you. Because your reward is all determined on what you do with what you have. The lesser the gift does not excuse lesser effort. So whether you drive a fancy car or a Honda Civic, keep it clean. Hello? Or whether you live in a mansion or whether you live in a trailer, be a good steward. Because your reward that God's gonna give you is not based on whether you live in a mansion or you live in a trailer. It's based on how you steward that. So whether you have a million dollars in your account or you got $150 in your account or $5 in your account, steward it. Be a good steward. So let's answer four questions today that'll help you be a good kingdom steward. Four questions. We'll talk about the who of stewardship. We're gonna talk about the what of stewardship, the how of stewardship, and the why of stewardship. The first is the who of stewardship, and the most important understanding is who gave you everything, and it's God. The who is the key to being a good steward. So God has given you everything. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I need to be a good steward of everything, but most of the time we focus just on our finances, and we treat everything else like a rental car. We're gonna turn it in one day. No, treat it like, really, it's been given to you by God. When I went to college, this is my BC days, before Christ's days, so don't judge me by this story, okay? This story has been redeemed. Okay, so when I was, when I was not a Christian, I worked at a bank. I had a great job. It was the best job for a college student because I worked one to six every day. I was the, I was the drive-through teller. Okay, this was pre-ATMs. ATMs didn't even exist. And so I was the ATM. You had to come through my drive-thru at Jefferson National Bank. So it was a great job because I could go to school in the morning. I could go from eight to 11. I could come home, eat lunch, watch Days of Our Lives because I love some Days of Our Lives. I was, a, I, was a, uh, I was a junkie, man. I had to watch it every day. And they kept you hooked. They would end the show and you had to watch the next one. So-and-so was dating so-and-so, and they were falling in love here, and this person was doing this. I'm like, good gracious. So I had to watch it every day, five days a week. I couldn't wait till Monday to watch another episode. Don't judge me, BC days. Don't judge, don't judge your pastor. So then I would go to work, one to, one to six. And so I, I said, all right, I need to, I'm gonna get out of college soon. I need a job. And because I worked at the bank, I could tell how much money people had in their accounts. <laughs> So I just said, I'm gonna find, I'm gonna watch the people who come through. Whoever drives the nicest car, I'm gonna look at kind of their account, BC days. So I can determine where I wanna work, all right? So there was this guy named Don Wilson, and he used to come through my drive-thru, and he had a fat Mercedes, biggest Mercedes I've ever seen in my life. And he always wore a crisp, starched shirt. I don't even know how he moved his arms, because it was so crisp and he could tie a double Windsor. I don't even know how to tie a double Windsor. And he had that thing, just a perfect V at the top. He looked so sharp and he had a pretty big checking account. And he would come through. I was like, hey, Mr. Wilson, um, you know, I know we, you've been coming through my drive-thru often. My name's Troy. I'm graduating from college in about a year. I'm available. 
well, what kind of degree you're gonna, I'm getting a bachelor's degree in, in business. I said, I just wanna let you know, I'm available. So Don Wilson was on the list, he was number one. Number two on the list was a guy named Thomas Jefferson, true story. He owned a real estate company. <laughs> And he drove a fat Jaguar. It was one of those old school green, like money green. It was like, I couldn't, I was like, Thomas Jefferson, what do you do for a living? I could see his checking account, you know, because I was his banker. And so, um, I'm not saying it's right, I just did it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so he would, and I said, what kind of work do you do? And he told me, Don Wilson was in the financial planning business. He worked for a company called Equitable. And then Thomas Jefferson worked for his, he had his own real estate company. And I told Thomas Jefferson, I said, Mr. Jefferson, just wanna let you know, I'm getting ready to graduate from college and I'm available. If you're hiring, I'm your guy. Okay, so a year goes by, I kept telling him, Don, Tom, come on, let's go. Let's make a decision here. Well, the interest rates were really high in the, uh, in the, in the late, in early 90s, it was like 90, 1990, 91. Interest rates were like 11, 12%. I could see Thomas Jefferson's deposits going down. I could see Don Wilson's deposits going up. So I picked Don Wilson. <laughs> and he hired me. He hired me. I interviewed for him. And I hired, I'll never forget when I walked in his office. Don Wilson had a sweet office. Everything about him was excellent. His office was probably about two times the size of this platform. He had pictures on the wall. Everything was in a certain area. When I walked in, I said, this is a guy that I wanna work for. When I sat down across from him, he, he shared with me the vision of the company. He sh and I, look, I'm, 20, I'm 21 years old. He taught me just in that little brief period of time that who you work for makes a big difference. Think about this. You've been given by God, the one who formed this planet, the one who fit, who, who, who framed this with his words, you have been given the stewardship of the universe. Who you, when you know who you work for, it'll change the way you work. It'll change the effort you give. It'll change the way you look at everything that's given into your hands. And from that point forward, Don Wilson taught me everything about sales. He taught me to be a great salesman. I was the number one rookie salesperson in, 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 that, in that job in Richmond, Virginia, because I, I, I really liked who I worked for. Now you and I are stewards for Almighty God. Look at your neighbor, say, I'm responsible, I'm responsible. Psalms 24, verse one, the earth is the Lord's and it's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. The who of stewardship is God, the what of stewardship. There's close to a dozen areas in the Bible that, that, that are shared with us on what we're to steward. We're to steward God's truth. Did you know that truth is the foundation of the church, not love? We're to share the truth in love but love is not the foundation. Well, hold on a second, Pastor. God is love, yeah, but everything is built upon truth. We're to steward that truth. We're to steward the mission that God gave us. We're to steward our finances that God gave us. We're to steward God's grace, which he gave us. We're to steward God's mercy. We're to steward God's forgiveness. As much as I'm forgiven, I need to release and forgive others. My prayers are determined by my stewardship of my forgiveness. The church, this, this, everything that we've given, been given here at Freedom House, we're to steward this. It's not my church, it's our church together. Your family, stewardship. Your kids, they ain't yours. I know you don't want them right now, but 
but they're, they're, they're gods. And at one point in the future, and you want them to leave because it it's better when they leave. I'm telling you, mine are all out of the house. It's awesome. You, I know you like them right now, but one day you're gonna let them go. Have you been a good steward? Here's a big one. How about our bodies? 1 Corinthians 6 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are God's. Are you taking care of your body? What we are given is based on our ability, ability. It says, for each one was given according to their ability. Now, a talent, I know a lot of people would tell you that that's a, um, an amount of money, when in reality, what it is, is a measurement. It's a weight. So when you look at what was given to each one, it was based on their ability to carry what was given to them. So the one who was given five, God looked at him and says, you have the ability to carry five. Now remember, it's not, it doesn't really matter the quantity. What's important is understanding the responsibility. But I want you to know that you can increase your ability so that God will give you more. So you can go from a one to a two or from a two to a five. It's all up to you. It's up to you. How do I increase my ability? By stewarding the one, the two, or the five that he gave me. That determines whether God is able to give me more because my cap ability, my capability goes up. I can raise my cap, I can raise my ability by God seeing that I have good responsibility for what he's entrusted to me. So stop praying prayers like, God, give me more money and then I'll be generous. That's the wrong prayer. No, the right prayer is God, help me to use wisdom and be a good steward with what I have, and then he will reward you with more. Don't think that if you have more, you're gonna be better with it, because it ain't gonna happen. Lord, if I can win the lottery. No, if you can't, if you can't tithe off a thousand, what makes you think you're gonna tithe off a million? Gotta be a good steward. Stop praying prayers like, Lord, I want a husband. If you'll just give me a husband, I'll come to church every week. If you just give me a husband, I'll be a, I'll be a good wife. No, you just be a good woman right now. Steward what God has given you, and then he'll bring that man along. Works the same with women too. You know, if you, if you want a wife, well, God, if you just give me, she's gotta have blonde hair, and if she, just give me a wife, and I'll serve God. We'll serve together. We'll hold hands and sing kumbaya and pray together. I'll be the best Bible reader you ever met. No, no, no. Pray prayers that you be the man that God can trust with one of his daughters. And then he'll entrust you with a daughter. And all the ladies said, amen, amen. amen. Now here's what the Bible tells us. This is a little shocking. Verse 29 of chapter 25, it says, to those, and this lets you know that you can increase your ability, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. What God's telling you, 
is that if you don't steward what you have, he's gonna take it away from you and give it to somebody who's a good steward. Well, that's just not fair. God's not fair, he's just. He's not fair. I don't like that. That's just not fair. It's not fair. But you need to be a good steward. We need to be a good steward. So what has God entrusted you with? The how, the who, the what, the how. The how is really not that complicated, to be honest with you. If we understand the who and we understand the what, the whole Bible is the how. He's given us a whole book that lets us know exactly how to stay married, Ephesians chapter four. He tells us exactly how to have a great church, First and Second Corinthians. He tells us how to manage our money, Proverbs. He tells us how to have good relationships, Colossians and Philippians. He tells us how to have great faith, James. He gives us all the hows, so when we understand the who and we know the what, the how is really just understanding what the scriptures say. Now, one of the things that you see in this story about stewardship is this idea of faithfulness because each one was given the reward. You remember what they said? Well done, good and faithful. What made them faithful? Was it just protecting what they had? No, because the one that had one was called wicked and lazy. He took the one that he had and he protected it and he just kept it. Well, God, if I just protect what I have. No, faithfulness is not keeping what you have. It's multiplying what has been entrusted to you. That's faithfulness. So God looks at you when you take that, that whatever it is, that talent, two, five, one, 10, 20, and he says, hey, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give you this gift. And he wants you to multiply it. So that when the master comes, when Jesus comes, he goes, what did you do with my son? What did you do with the gifts? What did you do with the talent? I'm gonna give it to you. And then you return it back to him in a multiplied form. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So what was it that made the one with the one do what he did? Do you remember what he said about God? He says, I know you to be a, you remember? I know you to be a hard man. The word hard is in the Greek is the Greek word sleros, S-L-E-R-O-S. It means harsh or unpleasant, rough. And let me ask you a question. Is God harsh? No. Is God unpleasant? No. Is he rough? No. No, God is good. He's loving. He's kind. He's peaceful, he's full of joy. He, he's, he's magnificent in every way. So the one had the wrong perspective of his father. And as a result, fear entered his heart. This is a great lesson for us. When we don't see God for who he really is, fear is always our option. Fear is always the thing that we live. If we don't see God as our provider, fear will always come in. If we don't see God as our healer, because that's who he is, fear will always come in. I'm gonna die. Something's gonna take me out. Cancer's gonna, we'll always have fear. Fear will, is always the result of a wrong perspective of God. And so the man who had the one, he was afraid. He took what he had. 
He said, I'm just gonna hide it. I'm gonna bury it. I'm not gonna use it. I'm not gonna utilize it. I'm gonna put it over here to the side. I know, God, you gave me gifts. I know, God, you gave me all this skill and all this stuff on the inside, but I'm not gonna use it. I'm gonna hide it and put it over here. And God says, wicked and lazy servant, take what you have and give it to the one who was faithful. The who is God. The what is what he has put in your hand. The how is very simple. And then the last is the why, the why, the why of stewardship. Our stewardship, my stewardship, your stewardship has eternal impact. It has eternal impact. When I was thinking about this, this is kind of how the Lord showed me this, this idea. And I want you to listen to this. So God looks down on earth and you know he created this whole thing he formed it he framed it he he filled it and he gave it to us well we we screwed it up right from the very beginning you know he's given us everything we're in this great garden you know adam and eve are there and they just jack it up i mean god gave them one thing to do just don't get near that tree don't even eat from that tree i mean if it were me i know i'm thinking in retrospect like I would never do, I'll just go on the, I'd live on the other side of the garden. Just like stay away from the tree. Don't go over there. That's not what they did. They went and ate the tree, messed the whole thing up. Well, God knew that was gonna happen because of his sovereignty. And so he set this whole plan of redemption in place. And then he sends Jesus through this young girl, 12, 13, 14 years old. I mean, wrecks her entire family. She's, Jesus is born of a virgin. We don't see a lot about his, his, his childhood, just a couple little snapshots of him. And then when he's 30 years old, he enters into his ministry. Jesus, all God, all man, shows up. Here's what he does. He picks 12 knuckleheads. Knuckleheads, complete knuckleheads. Peter cusses all the time, way more than Stephanie. And she cusses a lot. We're working on it. Pray for her. John is emotional. He's just a basket case. He's crying all the time. Thomas, you know, he's doubting all the time. Judas, he's a thief. Jesus, right from the very beginning, goes, one of you gonna betray? He knew exactly. I mean, if you're a business owner, you're never gonna hire any of these guys. And Jesus picks them. At best, they're like below average, probably like a D plus in, in the scope of things. And Jesus every day spends time with them. They have, they have life group every day. I mean, they're with the son of God. He keeps telling them over and over, hey, listen, I just wanna let you know, I'm gonna be leaving in a little bit. And they're like, no, you're not. You're gonna be around forever. Jesus, quit playing with us. Like, you're, no, I'm gonna die uh, you know, and Peter's, one time Peter goes, no, you're not, stop talking like that. And Jesus calls him Satan. Look, if I called you Satan, you would never come to this church again. <laughs> Jesus keeps three, three and a half years, man. He just, just keeps sowing into him, sowing into him. Eventually he dies. Only one shows up at the cross, John. Only one out of the out of the twelve. Only one. I would think, and you know, the other one, Judas. He he was a thief. He he 
he committed suicide. So now he's down to 11. So out of the 11, only one shows up to his death. Spent three and a half years with him. Jesus dies. In three days, just like he said, he was raised from the dead. And then he pulls the disciples again together. While he, while he was gone, they just quit on him. You remember? They said, hey, let's just go fishing. Let's go back to our old life. He shows back up. The Bible tells us for 40 days, he sits down and he talks with his disciples. He says, hey, listen, I'm gonna give you something. So he gives them everything. Jesus, 11 knuckleheads, dysfunctional, emotional, cussers, denials, d- denier. They did not, a couple of them denied Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. And he leaves again, but he leaves entrusted in their hands, the church and the kingdom of God. Listen, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. 2,000 years later, we're still in church talking about what those 11 guys were entrusted with in responsibility. Think about this. What if 2,000 years from now, somebody would be talking about you and what you did for the kingdom of God because you understood how great of a steward God gave you? Hey, listen, I'm a knucklehead. I'm a knucklehead. I'm blown away every time I get to do what I get to do. I'm blown away that God would pick me. Did you know that Penny and I, we were God's third choice to come to Charlotte? Third choice. He told us, you're my third. I don't know why he told me that, but he told me that, third choice. But I realized my stewardship has eternal impact. I'm honored to have a boss like God. Aren't you? Let's stand to our feet. I believe God has something that he's put in your hands. I know we've been talking about finances, but there's so much more. What if, what if your stewardship could have a 100 year, 500 year, 1,000 year effect? What if your stewardship with your kids could change the world? Could happen. One day, I don't know about you, but I wanna stand before God and him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, good and faithful steward. Father, thank you so much for the responsibility. I think sometimes, should I feel the pressure? Yes, I should. There should be a little pressure with responsibility. And God, I receive that call. I receive. And Father, I pray for people today who are willing and able and ready and obedient to receive the responsibility that you have entrusted to them with your kingdom with your resources, with your people, with your relationships, with your influence. And you gave it to us, God. We thank you that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you picked us to carry your kingdom. You picked us in Charlotte to reach this city. You picked us, God, to change this state. You picked us to do it in Jesus' name. So Father, we receive the anointing. We receive the grace that's necessary to be the stewards that you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, even if you're watching online, the greatest gift you can ever receive from God is his son, Jesus Christ. 
The Bible tells us if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. What an amazing gift that you and I have the opportunity to receive. And today you can receive that gift. Maybe you've done some bad things in your life. Guess what? Jesus forgives you. God forgives you. And by your faith in his sacrifice, you can be completely washed of all those mistakes, all of those failures, all of those sins. You can start a brand new life today. You can know for certainty that you would have eternity, an eternal life in heaven with God. That's how much God loves you. He's not a hard God. He's a pleasant, good, kind, loving father. And he cares for you. Maybe you served him at one time, but you don't follow him anymore. I'm so proud of you for coming to church today. I know it was probably really hard. Could have been maybe a church or a person or a pastor or a leader at another place that kind of, you know, made you mad at God. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're watching today because God loves you and he cares for you. And he wants you to have a, he wants a relationship with you. If you're here today, you're watching online, you wanna give your life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you wanna rededicate, recommit your life to him. I'm gonna count to three. When I get to three, just raise your hand, just so I can know who I'm praying for. You ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand all across this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all, thank you, man. Thank you, thank you. If you raised your hand or maybe you're at home and, and, and you, you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Tell somebody on the chat bar as you're watching. We have people that are right there to pray for you, connect with you, help you with the next step. If you're here today, church, would you join with them as a family and pray with them to receive Jesus? as their Lord and Savior. What a great gift that we get to celebrate with other people. Say this with me, say, Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody in the room, even if you raise your hand, say this loud, say it strong. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. I believe that he was raised from the dead so I could start a new life that begins right now. Thank you, Jesus for making me a kingdom steward over your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Amen.